Well, it is so good to have you here today. And if we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Keith Wagner. I'm the lead pastor here at Grace. And I would say this, if you are new, it is great to have you here. And, and I, I'd love to have the chance to connect with you out in the corridor following the service. But, but I would say this, there, there are a couple ways to get connected. If you are new, get more information. The first is just to text the word new to the number that's, that's, gonna, that's there on the screen or you can stop by, or I say, or, man, and or, you, and you can stop by the Next Steps wall, and you won't miss it as you exit the sanctuary. You'll see the Next Steps wall right ahead of you. We've got a great team there. They'll answer questions. We have a gift for you back to the Next Steps wall, so make sure that you stop by, and we would love to, to meet you. I also want to say a big thank you uh, to what you're doing uh, in your giving. Uh, I just returned from Kenya. We just got back. Uh, I can't even know what time zone I am right now. Like I'm still jet lagged, so I am not responsible for anything I say today. So don't write any emails. I don't know what I'm going to say. But no, in all seriousness, I, I got to see firsthand what you are doing and how your giving is making a difference. And, and so, in fact, next week, Wallace and Mary Kamal will be here from Missions of Hope International. Uh, they, they lead the school that we sponsor there in Kenya. You'll be hearing more about that. But, uh, but I just want to say thank you for your giving. And so whether you give online, on the app, uh, the boxes there in the back, you are making a difference, not just here in our backyard literally around the world. And so it's pretty cool to see what God's doing. And you know, we have a lot of core values here. We have eight uh, core values. One of our core values is serving. Uh, save people, serve people. And a, a unique way that we get to serve our community will be taking place this Friday at 6.30 p.m. We have our annual trunk or treat where, where, man, hundreds and hundreds from our community are here on site. And across the years, this has been a way for us to share the gospel. We've seen people saved. There are several people that today attend Grace, Grace Bible Church, and that was their connection point through, through this. And so here's the deal. I love candy, but not just candy as an end. I like it when candy is a means to an end, an open door, if you will. And so if you want to be part of this night, it starts at 630. You can uh, sponsor a trunk. You can have a trunk, bring, your, bring candy and that sort of thing to pass out. You can sign up for that on our website or on our app. And so I, I would encourage you to do that or you can donate candy to be handed out. You can drop that off at the church office uh, Monday through Thursday throughout the week and that will be greatly appreciated. Or if you just wanna show up and you got bucket, like a wheelbarrow full of candy, like you're gonna be the most popular person at the party. So we're, we're just gonna have a great time and thank you for how you will help with that. Then the last thing that, uh, that I want to hit is that Tuesday night, we're going to be having our monthly prayer and praise service. And just out of curiosity, how many of you have been part of that? Just raise your hand. Okay. Wow, man, several of you. Well, you know, that is such a powerful evening of, of, of scripture-fed, spirit-led praise and worship. We pray together. We sing together. Uh, th there have been some incredible things that have happened on those evenings. And so Tuesday night at 630, I would invite you to be part of the special evening. I hope you can join us. But now I'm going to do something here. I'm going to, I'm going to transition to my message and, and I'm going to, I'm going to do that by, uh, by asking a question. How many of you would say that you are facing a situation, there's something that's going on in your family, your life, whatever the case happens to be, that unless God performs a miracle, there's absolutely, you, you just can't see 
how things are gonna turn out the way you would hope. How many of you would say, I need God to do a miracle? Just raise your hand. I need God to do a miracle. And those hands, they, they can stand for, they can stand for anything. Okay, okay. Well, we're gonna talk about that this morning and this is gonna be a little unique. Let me walk down here and grab this. Um, because at 2.30 this morning, I, uh, I woke up and we've been in this series going through Ephesians, uh, Relationships God's Way. And for, uh, for the verse today, we're going to be looking at, at Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 1. And it begins with, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. How many of you have ever heard that verse before? Like some of you parents are like, oh, Come on, baby, this is it. Kids, listen up, listen up. Like you have been excited for this because we've been talking about marriage, we've been talking about friendship, we've been talking about, uh, man, just even challenges to relationships as we've walked through, we just looked at what the word of God says and you, man, this is it. This is the verse you've been waiting for. Well, I hate to tell you this, at 2.30 in the morning, God woke me up and said, I want you to go a different direction. Listen, you OCD people right now, you're so frustrated because you're like, what do I do with this sermon guide? These blanks are never going to be filled out. <laughs> Lord's going to help you. He's going to help you. But what I did, I actually just, uh, this morning, I wrote down just a, I just wrote down a few notes when I got here. I want you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter three. And, and, and while, you're, while you're turning there, um, when I was a kid, I don't know if any of you did this, I, the, the church that I went to on Wednesday nights, they would have a, a testimony meeting. Anybody ever remember, a, anybody ever go to church that did that? Just raise your hand, okay? Okay, so like a lot of you didn't, you don't know what I'm talking about. So what, what would happen, it would be a time where, well, they called it prayer meeting, but it was, we did more, there was more testimonies where I was praying. But anyway, they uh, would share what God was doing in their life. It was a time where you would just stand up and you'd say, man, here's what God has been doing in my life. And it was a time of, of mutual encouragement, uh, inspiration, and all of, what well, most of the time, because there were some, like when one lady get up, you're like, oh Lord, here we go again. <laughs> you know, but, but you know, it was, it, was a, it was a cool time. There were, you would hear things, like you, you would hear examples of God moving. You see, there's something powerful in a story. And every single person here this morning has a story to tell. And here's the deal, just so you know, I'm throwing everybody for a loop. I'm going off script in, in my message today. And so, man, you, the media team, you do whatever you need to do. And so like, there's not, like when I talk about points, they're not gonna show up on the screen. So don't look back at them, it's all on me, right? I have not given them anything. Uh, and I wanna make sure that our online uh, campus uh, gets to hear, hear from me this morning. So whatever you gotta do with the camera or whatever, I'll be all over the place. But um. Yeah, I, I have no idea how this is going to go. It's going to be great. <laughs> Aren't you excited? But no, when it comes to testimonies, there's something powerful about a testimony. Now, I want us to do something as we jump in uh, this morning. I want us to have a testimony, a time of testimony, as we begin what I'm getting ready to share, okay? And some of you are like, oh, give me the mic. I've been waiting for this. No, you're not going to get a mic. But if you are here this morning and your marriage speaks and testifies to the fact that God is able to do the impossible because he's brought reconciliation and restoration to your marriage, would you stand up? Would you just stand up wherever you are, just stand up? 
Can we just give God praise for the fact that he's able to do things and to bring healing to marriages? You may be seated. You may be seated. How many of you this morning could testify and you would, you would be able to testify to the fact that there was a time where physically you were facing a situation, you didn't know how you're going to get through it, and somehow God showed up, he healed you, and you have experienced God's healing power. Would you stand up? Would you test for the fact that God is able to heal? Come on, this is good. Yes. Yeah. I like this. All right. You may be seated. Some of you are like already out of breath because you stood up on two and you're like, oh. Wow, you had no idea, man. Yoga with Pastor Keith, man. Here we go, this is great. How many of you this morning can testify to the fact that God is able to do not just miracles within marriages, he's able to do miracles within families. There, you have seen God answer prayers for kids, grandkids, parents, cousins, whatever you consider family. You've seen God do and perform a miracle in your family. I want you to stand up and we're gonna give God praise. He's able to do work in families. Let's celebrate the fact that God is able to transform families. All right, I'm going to let you be seated. Now, here's the deal. I, 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 we should be able to hit most of us uh, in, in here, and no, no pressure here. But, uh, but if you can recall who you were before you met Jesus Christ, you were what Ephesians 2 talked of. You were blind. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. You were absolutely separated from, from God. There was absolutely no way that you could discern spiritual things. And yet God in his grace and mercy woke you up. He saved you. He turned your life around. He did a miracle in saving your life. Would you stand and give God praise for the fact that you are in Christ today? Can we just celebrate what God is able to do and making us sons and daughters. You may be seated. Woo! You guys ready to go, man? I'm fired up. This is good. Okay, so I wake up this morning, and Ephesians chapter 3 is on my heart. So I'm staying in Ephesians, right? Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 2, first part of chapter 3. The Apostle Paul has articulated beautifully the gospel talked about what it means to be saved by grace through faith, who we are in Christ. Talked about the mystery of the gospel in, in chapter three, what it means. It means that even those who weren't born Jews can also be heirs to the promise of God. It's a beautiful thing. Then he comes to the end of, of Ephesians chapter three, and he prays a prayer that's one of the most beautiful prayers that I've ever found in scripture. In fact, <clears throat> This is a prayer that I've actually prayed over Grace Bible Church. I would challenge you parents, you could pray this over your kids, over your grandkids. For this reason, verse 14, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that, a good prayer always has a so that. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now that's a prayer. That's a prayer to be prayed over families. That's a prayer to be prayed over churches. Man, that you would that you would be able to grasp 
how big God is, how wide his love is, that you would be able to somehow grasp the fact that God is able. And what he does is he closes this prayer with this. It's almost like a, it'd be considered a hymn. And in this, in this closing, it's, it's just a, it's a beautiful end to this prayer when he prays. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Is that beautiful? Let me read it again. Man, we're, listen, what time is it? It just turned, is it 10 o'clock? 10 o'clock, it just turned 10. You're still waking up. Some of you didn't have coffee, and I can tell. Like, let's read it again. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I want to talk about these last two verses. I want to talk about this hymn that he throws in at the end of this. It's a, it's a, it's a hymn of praise. And I'm going to give you some things to write down. Again, it's not going to show up on the screen, right? But I, I like, like for you OCD people, I'll give you something to write in that little tiny space there, like at the bottom, like how you can do this. The first thing I want, to, I want us to consider this morning is God's divine ability. Can we just think about that for a second? Think of God's divine ability. It's not just that he is able to do more. Look what it says in verse 20. He is able to do far more abundantly. You're like, ah, oh, man, Paul just got carried away with, uh, you know, he's, he's going over the top. No, 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 he's making a point. He's just not able to do more than we think. He's able to do far more abundantly than we can even ask or think. What that means, when you're praying this morning, I need a miracle. When you leave here and tomorrow you're praying, God, I need, we need a miracle. You're praying to a God who does not know a limit. Amen. He does not know a limit. But yet, what we know is though we serve a limitless God, we have limits. There are times our prayers have limits. And this is not a critique, this is just a reality. Our prayers are, are limited by a few things at times. First of all, it's limited by our sense of need. There are times that we're not aware that we're, we're needy. Usually when we're aware that we're needy, we've been needy for quite a while. Normally it's just the pain from the need that alerts us to the fact that we're needy. Some of us this morning aren't praying about things because we're just unaware. Now, there are times God makes us aware, but, but I'm just saying, there are some times until we feel the pain, we, we're, we sometimes miss the need. Sometimes our prayers are limited by, by the need itself. We don't always think the way God thinks. It's just reality. Man, if we thought like God thinks, we'd do what God asks. Like, it, it wouldn't even be a problem, right? But there are times that we don't always think the way he thinks. There are times that our prayers are limited by our desires. 
And this isn't even a, I'm not talking about a sinful thing or anything like this, but there are times our desires aren't always aligned with God's desires. There are times that we desire something's gonna, maybe, maybe it's comfort or pleasure or whatever. And listen, we can pray anything. But I'm just saying there are times that, that we, we don't always desire what God desires for us. We don't always want all that God wants for us. And so there are times, James says, there, there are sometimes you just pray wrongly because our prayers are more about our passions and doing what we want to do rather than, than God. There are times that our prayers are limited by our faith. Many times, I, man, I just, I pray the prayer like the, the guy of the demon-possessed kid, Jesus came down the Mount of Transfiguration and, and there's this kid that's having all kinds of trouble and and, and, and Jesus asked him, do you believe? Do you believe I can heal him? And he said, I believe, help my unbelief. Anybody ever feel that way? I do. Like there are times I, I want to believe, but in the back of my mind, there's this nagging doubt. <sighs> Man, I don't know that God would do this. I don't know that God wants to do this. And there are times when we don't see tangibly what God is doing, we doubt that God is willing. But we can't, we, man, we cannot confuse seeing with trusting. There are, there are times that, that and, and I'm speaking to myself, but I'll guarantee you, you're right there with me. Our prayers are limited by our faith, which just leads into, man, our prayers are sometimes limited by our comprehension. We just don't see it. We just, we can't even wrap our mind around the fact that God is moving. But here's what I want us to understand. God's not just able, he's far more abundantly able. You raise your hand, I need to see a miracle. He's far more abundantly able. And so if I have a big point, like if there's something that you wanna you take away, it would just simply this. There, if this is true, if God is far more abundantly able, there's no need for limits on our prayers. If God is able to do anything, there's no need for any of the limits that I just mentioned here. There's, there's no need. There are gonna be times that, that there might be, but I'm just saying, we don't have to hold back from praying because we're praying to a limitless God. Now, what he says not only is this, he says that he's able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think. He says he, he, he's able to do this according to the power at work within us. The spirit of Christ is living, has transformed us. He's opened our eyes. We're now able to perceive what God is doing thanks to the power at work within us. So at first we dwell on God's divine ability, he is able. The second thing is we, we look at our perception. Our, even our perception of God's ability is a gift from God. He opens our eyes and he lets us see the fact that he is able, which actually, which actually happens because we're spiritually alive. Remember who you were before Christ? It's like what Paul wrote in Corinthians. The, the cross is foolishness to those who don't believe. 
It makes zero sense. It, doesn't, it does not make any sense. But, but what, what did Christ do? What did God do? He made you alive in Christ. And, and what takes place? You're made alive in Christ. And now there's a perception. And there is a, there, there, there's something there that wasn't there before. You see what you didn't see. And then what we begin to find is as the Spirit is transforming us, the, the, the Spirit is at work transforming us from the inside out. He literally changes us. There's a transformation where our will becomes increasingly more aligned with his will. This is a beautiful thing, which leads us to the third thing that we just dwell on. What does this result in? What does God deserve because of this? Well, he deserves all the, all the glory. Can I tell you that God is after his glory more than anything else? And you're like, well, that's not right. He should care about us. No, because he would not be God if he didn't care about his glory more than anything else. And his, he is glorified when he answers prayer. He is glorified when his people testify. He is glorified when, when, when he steps into what we consider to be impossible situations. God deserves and God gets the glory. I'm getting fired up, man. I'm just getting going as good. And so what do we say to all of this? Well, Paul closes this with a, a word that uh, it's one of those words that shows up in, in the church and we say it a lot and I'm not sure we always know what it means. Amen. 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 What's, what's amen mean? Let it be so. Let it be so. I want to talk for the next few minutes. By the way, if you, if you are new here to Grace, um, first of all, this is going to be a, a weird thing. Like I... I'm, I'm switching here. Um, I'm not going to be preaching. I want to I share a story. I was not, honestly, and I'll, I'll share it then why I wasn't going to share, share this story. But man, I, I, I don't have an option. I got to share the story. In 2019, Pastor Jason from our Middleton campus and myself flew over to Kenya. We didn't know anybody. We just showed up. We, uh, we had heard about me. I take that back. There, I, I knew one guy there that had told me about what was happening with an organization called Missions of Hope International. They'd started a school in 2000 with 50 students in the slums of Nairobi, place of abject poverty. And by the time we showed up there, they had about 20,000 students in like 20-some schools. But we showed up. It was, there was no commitment. We just, I wanted to see, I, I like at times to show up where God is moving because I, I, I just want to be where God's moving. And so we, we were just over there and, and, and we were over there about a week or so and every, every night I, I would pray the same prayer. Lord, you're doing something here. How can we be part of what you're doing here? And God just never answered the prayer. And we, we walked the slums of Nairobi, prayed in homes. It was it was a powerful time. The very last day that we were there before we were uh, supposed to come back, we drove four hours out of Nairobi, Great Rift Valley, to a, a place uh, called Malo. It's a town that really in 2007 or so, it, it almost exploded overnight. Due to tribal warfare in, in northern Kenya, uh, 
usually when they have elections, things get violent, but there was all kinds of tribal warfare that broke out. And, and so those tribes, the different tribes that were on the losing side had to flee. They literally lost everything. They came, they came with nothing. And, and they, they ended up at this place because it's at the intersection. It's called Malos, at the intersection of, of, of two of the major uh, highways in Kenya. And overnight, the, the town blew up. It's, it's about the size maybe of Caldwell, uh, something like that. And they had started a school in Malo a, a few years ago, and they wanted us to see it. And so we toured the school, and it was, it was great. But, um, but before we left, Mary Kamal, Wallace and Mary are the ones that started the school. They become great examples to me. They're, they're, they're a couple of faith. I've never seen a couple with faith like theirs. She said, hey, well, just a few minutes ago, somebody said that there's property available. It's across town in another slum. We have kids coming. We have little four-year-old kids crossing this busy street at 6.30 in the morning. And, and they actually said, there's property over here. We could start a school over here. Can we just stop by and see the property before we head back? And I'm like, you're the boss. Like, we'll, we'll go. So we show up. And, and when, we got out of the, when we got out of the car, like I've been in uh, a lot of different foreign countries and a lot of crazy situations and poverty-stricken situations. But there was something different about this particular neighborhood. As soon as we got out, um, the, the, these people were not happy at all. They didn't even want to ask for money or anything like that. It, there was a darkness there. It was, a, it was oppressive. It to, I mean, there was anger on face and they began to close in on us. Men started walking toward us. So security with us, they got us out and they said, you got to get in right away. And there was, a, there was a gate, they let us in the gate, they locked it behind us. And it was, it was unnerving. But as we walked through this gate, there was this little plot of land, and then behind was this uh, land in which there was an existing school back there. And she said, she said, this is the land that's for sale. And, and so she's talking to somebody else. We have nothing to do with the conversation. They're talking about it. And, and then she just turns to us. There was about five or six of us. She says, can we just pray? for this land. If this is God's will, this, that God's will will be done. And, and so we prayed together. And during that prayer, the weirdest thing happened. God spoke individually to Pastor Jason and myself and said, Grace Bible Church is going to start a school right here. And that's never happened. Like if, you, if you're new and you're like, oh yeah, that's preacher talk. That's never happened to me. Like, like that's never happened. And so we got done and I, I Ask Mary, I said, hey, just out of curiosity, what does it cost to build the school that, that you need? And she turned to somebody because land is very expensive. In fact, sometimes land is more expensive there than here in the U.S. But at the time, they were able to use building materials that were far cheaper. And so she turned to the guy and asked, and he said, $10,000. And I said, we're, we're going to, I told her, I said, I'm committing. And I said, if Grace doesn't do it, Lori and I are going to do it. Like, what, th there's going to be a school here. We got in the car and it was so clear that it was God. I wept for two hours. I could not stand. I, like, I'm not an emotional guy. I'm like, get it together, Keith. What is your problem? Dude, I wept for two hours. The next, we, we flew back. Uh, the next Sunday I spoke, it was Father's Day. And I, I preached a regular message at the end. I just kind of shared this. And I said, hey, I said, weirdest thing happened. In church, uh, I committed us to build a school. But I, said, but I just said, hey, listen, we're not going to take an offering, but man, if this is what God is, God is doing, then hey, you, you can just, there's a basket in the back, you can drop stuff off, or you, if you want to just come up to me in the corridor, you can let me know, whatever. Well, I get back to my seat and I look at my 
phone, and on my phone, I had received a text from the, uh, one of the Americans in their, in their office, and he said, we messed up on the amount of money to start the school. It's not $10,000, it's $40,000. I'm like, oh, well, it is what it is. You know, like, I can't change it now. In seven days, by next Sunday, we had $40,000 exactly that had showed up. I'm like, we're starting a school. So in, 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 in 2020, we, we, we started the school. Wallace and Mary came in. We had about 100 and so kids that, that started there. We, we did a sponsorship similar to what we're going to do ne- next week. Man, every single one of those kids were sponsored. It was awesome. And then we had a missions trip that, uh, that we were going to be taking in August. We had 30, 40 people. I had another trip that I was taking with pastors. And, and I was fired up because God was in this. Great things were happening. And then anybody remember what happened in 2020? And they like everything, the bottom fell out. We could, they, they had to suspend classes there. They, uh, I, we couldn't take the trip. I wasn't able to go on the trip. And, and so it was just that fresh, like, God, what are you doing? Later we heard that, that more students had showed up. Now they had 200 students that had come back. We were able to buy food baskets because these kids come from nothing, like nothing. Like they, and the, the, they, uh, the, the school feeds them. If they're there, they'll feed them two meals a day. We, uh, and so, so tw- last, last year, I'm like, man, we got to get back. And so, so Bobby Bradford, who leads our junior high, he and I were going to go over there and, and just check in. I was taking a bunch of pastors with me and, and, oh, dude, I hate this whole COVID thing. Everything about COVID, I hate the disease. I hate the, the requirement. So we had to take this to get into Kenya. They're really strict. You had to take a, a test. You had to have a, a negative test 72 hours before going to the country. So we took, we, we did the timing just right. We took a, a test. You're supposed to get your results back in 24 hours. We did this 48 hours before we left. And we show up and our test results haven't come back. It's supposed to be back in 24 hours, 48 hours. Haven't showed up. They didn't show up till three hours after our plane left. And they would not let us on the plane. And dude, I was devastated. Like, are you kidding me? And so, you know, I apologized to everybody because we'd had people praying and all that. We're all excited. And then it's like, I guess it's not happening. And I called Mary and I said, I am so sorry. And Mary said, trust God's timing. It's not time yet. Trust God's timing. And I hate when women say stuff like that to me. So this year, planned another trip, and this time I took Bobby and I took Pastor Tony and John Mullins, who's a doctor here, and Darren Wallace, who's a dentist that attends our church, because we wanted to see if there's, because they have different health clinics. By this time, they've now grown to, they have 24,000 students. They're all, over the, they're all over the country. Now Liberia, Sudan is asking them to start schools there. Muslim communities are saying, please come here. In the northern part of Kenya, they're saying there's a drought here. They said, would you bring, they're asking first for a church, would you bring a church with, with a pastor because maybe the God, maybe the God you talk about will give us relief. And so they're starting, they, they've started 20 some churches, all, all this. So we go back and, and honestly, we, the reason I didn't get up here and make a big deal bef- before we went was because I didn't know, I didn't trust we were gonna get on the plane until we got on the plane. But we got on the plane and we got over there. And again, we just did the normal. We walked through. We, uh, uh, we walked through the slums. We prayed in homes, Christian homes, Muslim homes. They all invited us in. We prayed. 
We pray with them, pray for them, prayed for the kids, prayed for all kinds of situations and, and people in the slums when we were walking through, oh, please, sir, would you come and, and, and pray, for, pray for my family? We would go in, they have no electricity. I don't even know where they're sl- sleeping, just tiny homes. We prayed. It was a powerful time, man. I think all of us, I told my wife, all of us wept at some point the first couple of days. It was so so overwhelming. I wrote down a few thoughts here, and so I want to make sure I get this. We visited the different schools. Uh, Bobby, who's our junior high director, if you know Bobby, like he became a jungle gym for kids, man. Everywhere we looked, kids were climbing all over him. They loved Bobby. It was just so cool to just see what God was doing there. But the highlight for me was on Monday. When again, we took a trip out of Nairobi four hours along the Great Rift Valley, and, and I got to see with my very own eyes, a miracle. I got to see a school that started when we prayed a prayer in a field, and now there's a school with over 440 students. And I got to see, I got to see, man, we, we walked in, and, and, and guys, it was, it was totally different. Remember I told you it was heavy and oppressive. We walk in and, and this time, and, and somebody asked me, could you tell a difference? Even could you sense something different in the community? I'm like, yes. Yes, there wasn't this oppression. In fact, a, 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 they, had, they were having a little kindergarten graduation that we got to be part of. And, and one of the fathers asked to speak and he came to the mic and he looked at us. He lives right there in the slum. It's called Casino. Our school is called Coram Dio. You know what Coram Dio means? In the presence of God. He, he looks at us and he says, thank you for coming from America to start this school. He said, because this school is here, my kids now have hope. A lady, a lady, when they were dedicating the school said, I want to change the name of this slum, which is called Casino. I want to change the name of this to Coram Dio. Maybe God will dwell with us. And as I saw the faces, I saw all of these parents. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? This is what we got to be part of. It was awesome. But there's a part of the story that has everything to do with a miracle, and I don't know what God is doing, but, and I don't even know why I'm sharing this story. Honestly, it's other than it's just a testimony. That morning before we left, Bobby said something about uh, a passport. Are you guys taking your passports? And I looked down, and I had my pack, and my passport was missing. Now here's the deal. I'm going to tell you right now. I... I have always been, like, I've led trips and everything, and I am like, oh, that's number one thing. Ha- know where your passport is at the time. Take care of your passport. Take care of your passport. Take care of your passport. Mine's totally gone. So this is five minutes before we're taking a four-hour trip to, to see our school. I run upstairs. I'm going through my suitcase. I had two suitcases. Man, I'm emptying stuff out, throwing stuff around. Nowhere. I empty out all my backpack. It's nowhere. My pack's there. Everything's there. My passport's missing. And so I get in the car. Man, I'm racing like, I'm, I'm kind of panicky because we're, we're supposed to fly out the next day. Or, no, I'm sorry. We're supposed to fly out the, the, the uh, day after next. And I'm like, man, I got to get back to the embassy. In my mind, like, the joy that I had in seeing our new school, it's, it's gone immediately. And, I, and then finally, it just, I, I didn't say anything to, to, to Mary. Or I didn't want to mess them up. I just prayed, like, God, you got this. I'm not letting Satan steal the joy of what you're going to show me, what the miracle you've done. And so, man, I enjoyed the day. It was great. But at the very end, we're getting ready to leave. The guy, uh, 
we were supposed to, it was going to be our vacation day. We we're going to go see a safari and we were going to stay in the, in, in this preserve. And, uh, we were supposed to leave, but I, I went up to Mary and I said, Hey, I didn't want to ruin anything, but just so you know, I can't find my passport anywhere. I said, and she, she immediately went into action. She's like, well, where were you? What was something? I said, well, they've already searched the room. They said they can't find it. And I said, we were at an open air market. So she knew the head of security there. She called them, couldn't find anything. She called different places, couldn't find anything. And I said, well, I said, I, I'm, gonna, I'm probably gonna have to go to the embassy tomorrow so, to see if I can get a passport before we fly out the next day. I said, can I just dr- ride back with you and Wallace and I'll just let the guys do their thing. And she looked at me kind of weird and she's like, I, yeah, I think that would be fine. And so one last, uh, so, so we're, you know, we're, we're together and she's like, well, before we leave, I wanna go back to the field. And she made a statement. She said, I wanna go back to the field where we prayed that prayer. She says, sometimes you need to go back to where God showed up and answered a prayer. And so we showed up and we all stood in a circle. There were, there were two additional pastors with us and Pastor Tony prayed and they had shared some needs. They have max out capacity. They need a high school. Uh, they are just, and, we, and, and I, I st- Tony just prayed. Tony said, you've answered prayers here before God and we believe that you're able to provide in a miraculous way. And so God, we don't know what it's gonna look like. We're trusting you to provide. He said, Amen. I go back and I'm like, well, I guess I'm going back with you guys. And I said, let me look one more time through my suitcase. Open my suitcase. I moved everything. They're watching. The guys are all standing there like, it's got to be in there. I look through everything. It's not there. So I close the suitcase, get in the car. We're on the way home. We, but on the, on the way home, I noticed we only drive about 10 minutes from where they are. And we, put, we turn down a lane and we, we stop. And when, when, when they stop, everybody's getting out. And I'm like, hey, what's what's going on? And I said, oh, there's, there's some land here that somebody told us about today. I'm like, huh, sounds familiar. <laughs> and so I, being who I am, jump out and I, I just jump right in there with them. And they're talking in Swahili and all that. I can't tell what they're, what they're saying, but it's 10 acres. It's the most, we, I've been to all, uh, many of the schools. It's, it's unbelievable property already has a building and everything. And so they're, they're doing their thing. I'm just walking around and I'm just praying like, God, we just finished praying. We've seen you do miracle. Maybe you want to do a miracle here. And so we get in the, we, we get in the car and, and leave. I never, I never said a thing. Uh, they're, they're doing all their, they're talking and I can't understand what they're, what they're saying. So we get in, we head home and about an hour into our, our drive home, uh, Mary gets a call and, and, and she just starts saying, Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. Glory to God. And, and she gets off the phone and she leans up and she's saying to, something to Wallace. Well, here's the deal. I'm not one of those guys just like, oh, I'm just going to pray with him in my spirit. I'm like, no, what's going on? <laughs> and she, she, uh, she just starts laughing. And I'm like, what? what's going on? She goes, she said, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. She said, you weren't supposed to be on that property. I said, what are you talking about? She said, we found out today that there was property and in our office, our, the, the people in the office said, just don't, don't get Keith excited about that. They said, because they're, they're so focused on, on the other school, we're afraid that, you know, just, just try it. You guys look at it, but don't let, don't take the team over there. We don't want to get them off track for what God's calling to. And she said, we were, we've been trying to honor that. But when you came and said, you needed to ride back with us, she said, I looked at Wallace and said, what do we do? She said, I guess we shouldn't stop by and see the land. And Wallace said, no, he said, no, we need to see the land. He said, Keith will probably just stay in the car. (laughs) 
And she told Paula, she goes, I don't think you know Keith very well. And she said, when I saw you walk through the gate, she said, you were the second one through the gate. I said, God, you're doing something. And she said, I just got off the phone. She said, the land there is valued at $960,000 US. A lot of money, right? It already has a school building, it has crops, field, pond. She said, that's valued at another 200 some thousand dollars. She said, but we know for sure the land's $960,000. She said, I just got a phone call. We found out that we know the person. He's in the UK. He has a debt of $100,000. It has to be paid off in 15 days. But he said, if Kamals are still in charge of Mrs. Hope International, he said, I will sell it to them for $320,000. And I said, well, it just sounds like God gave you a $640,000 down payment on the property. That's what it sounds like to me. And she's like, yeah. She said, but I think... I think that you were supposed to walk that land. And she said, Keith, I don't know why God brought you and Grace Bible Church to Kenya. He said, I don't know why, for some reason, you have the connection to this city that you do. But he said, every time you show up, something happens. And so all the way home, we're like little kids, like, oh, man, what is God going to do? We, we stayed up till late that night. And, uh, and I said, well, and she had arranged for a driver to come early in the morning to pick me up and take me to the embassy to get my passport. And so, man, we, we, we prayed again for the land. And then we walk upstairs. I open my suitcase. I've been through three or four times. The very first thing, the second thing that I pick up, uh, my passport falls out. <laughs> it was tucked inside a hat. I don't know how it got inside a hat. It fell in a hat that had folded over. I had picked that hat, shaken it, moved it around, thrown it around, nothing. Second thing, I pulled my suitcase. Boom, there's my passport. And I look at that thing. And my exact words were this, God, are you kidding me right now? (laughs) So the next morning, I I, I walked down and I told, no, no, I texted I texted her WhatsApp uh, that, that night. I said, Mary, you'll never believe it. Cancel the driver. I have my passport. And she texts back, I knew it. <laughs> Long story short, I'm trying to raise $100,000 in 12 days. We're going to see what God's going to do. But I didn't tell you this story to, to raise, to raise $100,000. The reason I told you this story was this. There are circumstances and situations that you're facing Some of you that raised your hand and you said, I need a miracle. You're frustrated by what you see. It seems like God's forgotten. God's not at work whatsoever. Your your kids just seem to be making the worst decisions the more you pray. Your marriage seems to be in a worse situation than it was before you started praying. You're to the point that you just wonder if God's remembered where you are. And you're still trying to hold on to enough faith to say, God, I believe, but you've got to help my belief. Here's what I can tell you. If you still got breath in your lungs to pray a prayer, God's not done. We were coming back from, flying back, and it was a long trip. I think we spent about 18 or 19 hours in the air. And 
I know I should be spiritual and want to witness to the person that I'm sitting to. Like, I know that's a spiritual thing to do, that I should be instant in season, out of season, and I'm striking up conversation. I'm going to be honest with you. The last thing I want to do is talk to anybody. I want to put my headphones on, and I wanted to get at least a little more sleep. I was flat out exhausted. A lady coming into my row, she's from Mountain Home, and if you are watching, because I told you where we are, if you're watching, this is for you. Um, she, she, she was getting in the row, she tripped over my backpack, and so I had to make some joke, which opened the door, so we had to talk the entire time. <laughs> Me and my stupid jokes. And um, she, she had noticed that we were joking together when we got on the plane. She goes, hey, who, who are those guys? Why are, you know, how do you know all those, how do you know all those guys? And I just told her, they said, we all go to the same church. I'm a pastor, which was then awkward because every time she cussed, she'd go, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know it. Um, but, uh, um, and I told her we'd just come back from Kenya. She said, oh, were you guys here on vacation? I'm like, no. And I explained a little bit about what we were, we were doing. And she's like, ah. Oh. She's like, that really moves me. She said, I, I don't even watch the news anymore. She said, it just seems like this world is going to hell in a handbasket. And I'm like, it is. It is. And she asked me a question. She said, how do you think we can make a difference? She said, can we even make a difference? I got a chance to share a little bit of my testimony. I got to share a little bit about what God had done. But then I told her, I said, you know, I said, in the crazy world that we live in, we can't solve all of the world's problems. It's just impossible. And it's overwhelming. But I said, what we can do is we can do something for someone. Something for someone that we wish we could do for everyone. And we can at least make a difference here. And she said, well, that's noble. She said, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. And then she said, but do you care about the people in your own community? She said, I don't mean this mean or anything. She said, it's one thing to go across the ocean and to make a difference. But she said, are, are you making a difference in your own city? And so I got a chance to talk to her about the Grace Center, what God's doing there, and, and talk about, you know, what's coming up and what's, what's in the future. And she said, wow. Before I got up, she said, you know, she said, this is weird, but I think I was supposed to sit by you. I said, I think so, too. And I thought about that whole situation. I thought about the conversation with that lady. And then this morning, God wakes me up at 2.30 and said, I want you to tell a story. And I, I'm like, I want to tell that story because... Because, man, here, here's the deal. You know what my immediate thing was? Like, man, we got to start to get Grace Center. We got to raise money for Grace Center. Dude, we are out of room at this church. We got to raise money for, man, what? We just can't be asking people for money all the time. And I'm, I'm very sensitive to that, that sort of thing. And, I, and then God reminded me that him who's able to do far more abundantly beyond what you can ask or think to him be the glory. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I'll do it. I'll do it. But I think this story, the reason God woke me up is for you. You think your marriage is over, God's not done. 
You think the report from the doctor says it's done, you have no usefulness. God's not done. You think that your kids have made some stupid decisions and you don't know what's going to happen. God's not done. The grandkids, the marriage, the, 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 the circumstances, you need God to show up. You need him to provide. God's not done. Don't confuse what you can't see in the moment. God's silence. With God, God's absence, he's working. He's moving. God's not done. If God cares about property in Kenya, which he does, if God cares about a school in Kenya to supply the need and do a miracle there, which he does, God cares about you. He cares about your situation. He cares about the situation in you in which you need to hear from God and you need a miracle. God's not done. So here's my only challenge. Keep praying. As long as you have breath in your lungs, pray one more prayer because God's not done. And God, I don't know who you have spoken to today. I don't know the stories behind each upraised hand saying I need a miracle, but you do, God. And God, while I don't understand how or why you move or what you've been up to, God, I believe that just as easily and tangibly as you're moving in Kenya, you're moving in Nampa and Caldwell and in Cuna and Boise and Middleton and Melba, all the different places that we're from. God, you are present. God, you are able. And God, the period has not been put on the end of the story that you're writing in our lives. And so God, may you encourage us. May you strengthen us. And for what you're going to do, we thank you for the story that we have yet to witness. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. amen. Now here's what I'm gonna say to close. And the only reason I'm saying this is because I got hit with a million questions after the first service. If you do want to be part of, of helping this, I'm, we're not taking an offering, but you can go. I talked to Jen just, to, just literally before I walked out for the second service. You can give online. You can go to idahograce.com. You can select Kenya, the drop down, and you can give. And everything's going to go to, to buying that land. They need $100,000 to pay off the debt by, uh, in, in a week and a half. Um, or if you write a check and you drop in there, you just put Kenya, you can do that. But, but here, here's the deal. This is, this is your pleasure. I just felt like God needed to share this story. There's somebody here that needs to hear this. So go encourage believing God remembers you, he knows you, and he's not done working in your situation. Thanks for being here. You're dismissed.